I've seen a couple of lumps in mine too, but I think it's my chair being loud. I'm going to have to figure out if I can oil this chair. What if the chair tries to oil you? It probably will. Spooky. You could put that up on like OnlyFans or something. Yeah. Oily fans. Chair oils master. I'll get my webcam recording. I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. And we're the Rewinders Podcast, rewinding movies to see if they hold up. And this time, we took out the meat cleavers and chased each other through the ballroom, trying to hack each other's limbs off in a game of childhood, uh, chop each other apart fun that was Adam's Family. I was going to say, are you making a reference to Squid Game? Are we squid gaming? I still haven't seen that, and I kind of don't want to. No, we can't reference things that aren't from the 90s or 80s or 70s or 60s or 50s or 40s, maybe 30s. I'll allow 30s if we can find it. squid game. Wait, you'll allow allow 30s? Yeah, it's... Did we do murder by death? good. (laughs) Death by murder. We did that other one. Clue. (laughs) Well, well, it came out before Clue, and I think it's better than Clue, but that's fine. Well, look at Dan. Wow. Big words for, for a big man. His big chair... Eating his big foods. I don't have a large chair. I have a small chair. (laughs) Small chair for a big man. Exactly. A weird song for the smallest among us. What a monster. Anyways... Yeah, we, we watched that family movie. Yeah, it's it's spooky month. Spooktober. Ock Frightfertober. Chilltober. I thought Christmas month was the freaky month, the scary month, because that's the month that you have to figure out exactly what everybody else wants and uh, stress over how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. This month, you just throw candy at kids and make them run away. That's, I mean, that's not scary. Oh, wait. I throw kids at candy. Am I doing this wrong? Am I doing this backwards? Oh, God. <laughs> no, there's enough can- There's enough give and air and candy, unless you're throwing them at, like, a pile of nerds, in which case, actually, that might be fun. Ken, you just made me nervous. Did you just say Aryan candy? Uh, Airheads candy. <laughs> okay. I did not say Okay, Aryan good. Candy. Good. I'm just making sure. Just making sure. I'm throwing them at the colors of the reindeer- rainbow. Colors of the reindeer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, spooky. Fat man creeping into your house, trying to sk- trying to sneak things into your house. You don't know what they are. That's creepy. He's trying to sneak kisses and tickles. Ordering on Nightmare Before Christmas <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now, especially if you live in an airport, you don't want someone sneaking in and leaving things for you because then you have to go to TSA and being like, oh, my God, I don't know where that came from. And then you, uh, who knows what happens oh. then? I mean, you go in the back room and they ask you questions. Your best your best bet is to yes and. <laughs> it's an improv game. Did you know you have this uh, knife in your bag? Yes, and. Oh, wait. <laughs> you hate America? Yes, and I uh, am working Sir, are you for carrying Canada. a bomb? Yes, and I got knives, oh, too. God. Sorry. <laughs> no, this isn't working in our favor. Uh, Kids always yes and. Oh, God, that's a horrible thing to say. Mm-hmm. 
God, immediately after saying it. It just feels bad rolling off the tongue. But, but anyways, we, we did not watch the new 2021 or 2020 Adams Family, did we? No, we didn't. I no. did not. I didn't know those even existed until I started seeing the ad for the one that apparently just came out. I didn't know there was a second one. Don't. Don't do it. All of a sudden I heard people going to it and it's like, oh, I remember there was a first. <laughs> Katie and I watched the, the first one when it came out because it was one of those like streamable right away movies last year. Yeah. It's soulless and boring and slow and cumbersome. Ooh, that's kind of all the words I would choose to describe this one. <laughs> I <And> disagree. <laughs> you're, you're jumping to the end of the podcast talking about reboots. Yes. So I guess... Uh, so I remember, what, I guess, wasn't there a cartoon of this? There was. Yes, um, and that's, when we were younger? that's why they made I this. I swear I watched that cartoon, and that's like mm-hmm. the amount of that cartoon uh, being crazy violent and stuff. Like I think that's what steered my parents away from actually letting us watch this one as a child. And honestly, part of that, uh, this movie probably would have scarred me pretty hard as a kid because I was a... Uh, very impressionable oh yeah no for sure so that was my the only thing i that i have going for me knowing about this growing up i just watched this this week for the first time in my life yeah no they um wanted to make a movie based off the cartoons because they thought the cartoons were great and silly and they were pretty pretty well received that's kind of where the whole thing kind of kicked off they wanted to try to make a movie based off that versus off the original 60 series and i think orion was originally the one who produced it this movie i guess i i was wondering what happened because i had to dig into it to try to figure things out and i i guess it had a pretty fabled troubled history multiple people got sick including the director's wife during filming it's just like so many things kept happening uh it started with orion then it went five million over budget uh so ryan sold the rights off to paramount to finish it because they were worried it was gonna be a flop and they apparently just had a few flops already so they were worried about going under um and then of course it was a massive hit so this this movie just feels like it was destined to be doomed but somehow managed to actually make it forward a little bit i don't know but i thought that was pretty crazy it was uh <laughs> Based off the cartoon, because I, I don't really remember the cartoon too much. I, just, I, I think I saw like an episode or two. I remember bits and pieces of the cartoon. And like this this movie, I have very small memories of certain scenes. So I must have seen it at least once. Mm. But its sequel <laughs> is the one that I, I have much larger memories of. See, I'm the exact opposite. I remember always seeing advertisements for the sequel. The sequel was plastered everywhere. It was always the camp scenes before every single movie. It was a trailer before VHSs that I put in. I never saw it. I just never saw a sequel. And I guess, ironically, the original that we just watched made, like, six times, seven times its budget, whereas the sequel was better received for having a more, you know, coherent plot and everything. People actually liked it. Critics reviewed it more favorably, but I think it only managed to make, like, a million over its budget. So it did not go well. (laughs) But yeah, I guess, uh, for me, it was, uh, my parents were obsessed with The Addams Family. They were super excited that there was a movie coming out, so, uh, they ushered us to the theater to see it. We liked it. I watched the 60s version a lot as a kid. Me as well. We bought this as the $5 add-on to a McDonald's meal. I remember going to McDonald's all excitedly and getting the VHS with my family. And yeah, it was a, it was a regular Halloween viewing. And uh, same as you, Dan, I don't remember a lot, even though I had seen this movie so many times. Uh, I'll get more into that later, but there's some scenes that definitely stuck out. For sure. Did they, when they gave you the the movie, did they like put a little VCR shaped box underneath your Happy Meal box? <laughs> no. Like just build a VCR into 
there so they could shove the tape in there and hand it? It was the tape in its cardboard sleeve. Yeah, it was, it was literally just a, a VHS. They just like bought bulk of VHS sometimes and then sold them with meals. That's so boring. I know. <laughs> I, I can't remember all the ones my pa- parents bought, but they bought a few VHS that way. Yep. It was always like, let's go to McDonald's and have dinner. Okay, now we're buying a movie and taking it home. I have no memory of McDonald's ever selling VHS tapes. Same. That's- they had all the they had all the McDonald's like animated tapes. They had those, like Scared Silly and whatnot. Uh, they also sold um, the Backstreet Boys and, or was it NSYNC and, and Britney Spears ones that they had. But yeah, they, they had other random movies that they just tacked on. Like for a while there, it was like, oh, come to McDonald's and buy a VHS with your meal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember them advertising that. See, we had one just down the street. So like that was where we went. They, they had tons of movies that they sold and it ramped from like five up to like eight or so. It was all over the place. It uh, looks like there was a total of 22 between 83 and 2003. Isn't that just crazy? Going wow. to McDonald's to get a burger and a movie? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mom, Puff the Magic Dragon, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, Babes in Toyland, Dances with Wolves, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, The Addams Family, Charlotte's Web, Ghost, Wayne's World, An American Tale, Five Will Goes West, Back to the Future, Feel the Dreams, The Land Before Time, and then the rest of them are Ronald McDonald animated series. I sent over a picture in the chat. Yep, I remember, I remember seeing a couple, at least the Raiders one. I remember seeing that on TV. Yeah, like, we, we bought a few. I just can't remember which ones we got, but the only differentiator is on the back of the VHS, which I just sent a picture over of. Uh, they had a McDonald's logo in the upper right that said, purchased a McDonald's, not for rental or resale. It's weird. It's like an entire, like, piece of history is just, like, gone. <laughs> Buying movies from a fast food restaurant. Probably for the better. It's probably for the better, yeah. I don't want grease on my DVDs or blu-rays right. it makes them run better you don't get your squeaks from a vcr <laughs> but you don't want to you don't want to get a digital copy with joe of jojo rabbit with your with your chicken mcnuggets or that sounds that sounds delicious right now i should have had breakfast <laughs> jojo rabbit for for kids some of those movies were a little bit weird for putting into kids movies but like ghosts dirty rotten scoundrels <laughs> dirty yeah. rotten scoundrels yeah or Raiders, let's go with Raiders, melting melting uh, Nazi heads. That's like, fine. Like a cheese over a burger. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Yep. <laughs> That's great. That's great. How about you, Joe? I believe I watched this with my parents because my dad would always be interested in movies. Stepping back further, I, I was a big fan of the black and white TV show that I watched in syndication a lot of the time and that was probably one of my interest levels in the movie but it wasn't that big because at the time it was coming out my age and how I felt at that time I didn't really jive with the family aspect of the movie but I thought it was interesting I believe I just watched it once and I think this week was uh the second time I've watched the film in its entirety it's I I just thought I I felt like I was too mature for it at the uh-huh. time because I was one of those <laughs> kids that was too serious about movies I guess wow snobbing against the Adams family okay yeah I don't know <laughs> meanwhile don't Joe's know. sitting in his room watching freaking Chopping Mall. <laughs> I'm on board. Indeed. I I encourage this. I'm on board too. Yeah. Uh, at some point after this, I kind of got a uh, like a little uh, crush on Christina Ricci after this, but not because of this movie. I kept watching, going, did I see this before? 
before I got a crush on her, because that feels weird. I must have been 10 or 12, and this, the second Adam's Family, and Casper, I'm pretty sure was, she was my first, like, famous person crush i forgot about casper yeah i i had funny feelings towards her and casper (laughs) (laughs) this makes sense to me i i I never saw casper (gasps) it has bill pullman if he's too cool for adam's family yeah he's too cool for Casper. i guess i guess so (laughs) i always watch that in independence day and i'm like wow what a stark difference i was gonna say is this the bill that's hunting aliens or the bill that's giving speeches oh crap i'm going down this wormhole again or the bill that goes into tornadoes (laughs) anyway yeah, I, I was too cool for school when this first came out. Yeah. That's unfortunate. As to her specifically in this movie, there's some things I really liked about what she was doing with this. Like, you could watch this and be like, oh, she's just a mono person, like, the entire time. She wasn't all that great. But that's not true. Two very specific things that I noticed in this movie that really uh, set her off set her off as being really good in this movie. Uh, the first one was when the first time that you notice that she smiles... When she's going to elect, elect, electrocute Pugsley. Yep. She's like, that really brought her, her character great joy. And the second thing that was interesting was when they were in the motel and uh, they're all sitting down talking about the tortoise and the hare. Uh, she goes to take a bite of the cereal. She takes a bite and she looks at it like she's disgusted by it because the cereal is, you know, too sweet for what she's used to. Yeah, I love that. I caught that this time around too. There's so many little <laughs> details like that in this movie. One big one that I was going to call off. Uh, so random happenstance, I was watching YouTube videos after we got done recording Tremors and I stumbled across i don't know why this came up in my feed but it was uh it was a it was a video i can't remember who it was i wish i would have copied it down you know how it goes it was just in my my feed and i just watched it and moved on but uh it was movies with the best like payoffs and i was like oh, oh that's funny we just talked about that and i you know pressed play and what did they start talking about right away the best example of movie payoffs is tremors and it's one we didn't even talk about it was the uh the the soda cooler oh right. yeah. yeah it was the soda cooler being directly responsible for for his death because they basically just tell him no at the beginning of the movie when it's blowing its bearing and he thinks it's a bearing and they said no they're not going to take a job because they got to leave and you know they're, they're trying to get out of town and then later on without even thinking about it without even bringing it up again all of a sudden it just pops again because oh yeah that's that thing that happened at the beginning of the movie and that's directly responsible for him dying that was cool and i was watching that and i was like that's really neat and then i really paid attention to this movie to see if i could find anything and man the tar on the front doorsteps of the house <laughs> what a throwaway thing in the beginning of the movie where the carolers are at the house and they dump the pot and there's nothing that comes out of the pot you don't even think anything of it because it just goes right into credits and they start talking about the movie right but later on like three quarters into the movie the first time you see the outside of the house yep. there's freaking tar all, all, over, over, the, the stoop, all over the stoop all over the wall oh that's right yeah, yeah. i love that i didn't see that i love that it's Holy so well hidden so it was great you wouldn't have seen you would have noticed because it, it, it just looks like paint it mm-hmm. looks like they paint they, they just they started painting and kind yeah. of gave up so if you didn't ca- you didn't catch that that's what they were pouring on those carolers mm. like you wouldn't have had any idea and that's what i thought when i first saw it i was like that looks like scorch marks what blew out oh my god that's the tar and i got all excited <laughs> i'm like because they wouldn't pick they wouldn't clean it up why would they and for those of you who have not seen this movie a quick summation of it is you have a perfect family it's true the adams family is the perfect family 
and they operate on their own wavelength against the grain of the entire, we'll say, community that surrounds them. All of society. Not just community. All of society. They have their own rules. Mm -hmm. Well, we focus on the community around them. Mostly the judge. (laughs) The man of the house. uh, Gomez. Gomez, thank you. I kept wanting to say Cecil, but no. Gomez. (laughs) Don't ask. I don't know. Cecil Baldwin, welcome to Night Vale. Oh, maybe. Uh, his brother has gone missing. His brother is Fester, and there's his empty room, and they pine for him. And uh, Gomez's lawyer, who takes care of his monthly finances as well, uh, is greedy and wants in on their money. And one scheme that he comes up with is meeting this doctor who has a son that he thinks looks exactly like Fester. And so they want to pass off this guy as the real Fester and use that as a way to get money out of the Adams family. Through the process of incorporation of the fake Fester into the family, the fake Fester through time, spoilers, learns that he really likes the family to start with and then to end with, yeah, he is Fester. He And <gasps> what we thought was a story was reality of how this lady found him and they shed all the bad people at the end of the movie and all the good people stick around at the end of the movie and it's all happy and we get reconfirmed that they're a good, healthy, wholesome family at the end. Now, let me bring this up to you guys. So, the movie ends on that happy note where we find out Fester is Fester, but apparently the original intent was for it to be ambiguous. I guess the rest of the cast persuaded Christina Ricci to go and plead the case to let Fester be Fester at the end of the film and make it obvious that it's Fester so the family could end off happy versus leaving it unknown. That's smart. I don't know which one I like more. It's smart to make Christina Ricci do the uh, talking. Yeah, yeah. Let's have the cute little girl do it. I, I like both halves of this. I, I, I like having it eventually be Fester in the end and having, you know, it just, you know, be a heartwarming ending. But I also love the idea of not really knowing whether or not it really was Fester the whole time or if he just succumbed to the happiness of the family and, and became part of it. It's just like... <laughs> just because they were so they were so accepting of the fact that he was a possibly a mass murderer? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Well, too, it would be also a very, I'll say, kind of like wholesome thing that a family would say, we don't care if you're Fester exactly. or not. You are now Fester. and you Exactly. Are and that's that's where I kind of struggle because like, I like that. I, I kind of like the more cerebral ending to it versus it just being a, a, a good old happy family reconnected at the end. But I, I like both sides. I, I like knowing that that was the original intent. So at, at least we have that to go off of and, and, and think about. I figure this is going to be pretty straightforward. Uh, what do you guys like about this movie? I like that I didn't know it was a Barry Sonnefeld film. <laughs> it starts off, I'm like, this feels like a movie I've seen. I'm like, wait, that's the director of Men in Black. Now I understand why the movie feels this way. Oh, now everything makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, exactly. sure. Because even the text, like, you know how Carpenter has that, uh, John Carpenter has that that specific um, font, that the text stylization, yep. the font that he uses for all his movies. Yeah, there's only like two movies he doesn't use it in. But um, he has that specific font, 
Barry's got the same font in this movie and in Men in Black that I noticed. It's like that really thin, wispy, kind of wiggly white white letters. The words are stacked on top of each other, and the top words have the like yes. real tall. Yes. Oh, what's the? There's a word. There's a word for in font design. I can't remember what it is, but the word though it's very tall. And then the words below it are all scrunched down and like blocky, mm-hmm. flattened by the upper words. I'll start off with a good thing about this movie uh, as well uh, after Andy here and say that the casting was pretty much spot on. Damn, Angelica Houston and and Raw. I mean, oh, rest in peace. He 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 went way too soon. I, I feel like he was really hitting his stride when he when he went. What was his last movie? I want to say it was actually Street Fighter. Street Fighter. It was Street Fighter. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh. that's where I know that guy from. Yeah. He's a great actor. He was a really great actor. I think he was absolutely perfect for the manic role of uh, Gomez. And then, like I said, Angelica Houston was just unbelievably good as Morticia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Christopher Lloyd as... Uh, as Fester. Ambiguous. Fester slash Gordon. Fester was also amazing. I, like, I, yeah. The entire movie was really, really well cast. I, I'm super happy with every single character in this movie. It had that, like, typical, like... Um, oh, I don't know what words I'm searching for, but it had the... Uh, the stylization of the characters looked a lot like a Tim Burton movie. Like, and that's that's kind of ironic because it was supposed to originally be Tim Burton that directed this, but he was too busy doing uh, Batman Returns at the time. So it went it went on to Barry. So it's got a Tim Burton feel for not being a Tim Burton movie. I mean, it's it's got a lot going on. Every time I saw Fester in the window of the house, like looking out, hunched over, a little dark shadow, a little dark illumination of him up in a window, it just, it had that really cool feel. I loved seeing that. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Like he was Fester and it was great seeing him in this role. And even the people who didn't play an Adams Family member, I thought they were all well cast too for being yeah, yeah. either sleazy mm-hmm. or for being kind of like a nerd you know they weren't all uniform and and the extended adams family people interesting to look at even if they none of them talked it was well done on cast and development of side and tertiary characters yeah, I, heck yeah i love the judge. even the jurassic park kid the Jurassic Park kid. You cannot mistake those blue eyes. Nope. <laughs> yep. Those eyes are very distinctive. And I like that they call him a lizard. That, that I mean, he was bound to be in Jurassic Park being angry at dinosaurs. <laughs> Doesn't sound very scary. It sounds like a six-foot turkey. Yeah, that's... Good kid. Good kid. Know, the movie, like, I don't know. movie made me feel happy. Good. Yeah. On the same note, I... Uh, so, we brought up the cartoon earlier, and... Uh, what I like about this movie versus what I remember about the cartoon is I remember the cartoon being uh, Wednesday Adams being just constantly trying to mutilate and whatever Pugsley. Mm-hmm. Like Pugsley was always the victim in the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. And I like that Pugsley got to have his own in this one. Like they, they shared off in the uh, yep. in the torture. Yeah, no, for sure. That was great. It was something that deviated from the original TV series. The kids were much more muted in their mutilation of each other. Like the, the original original TV series, not the not the comic, not the animated series. I feel like they gave the kids a lot more time to shine in this movie. Yeah, the 60s series is definitely more about Morticia and, and Gomez. Gomez and Fester. Fester, for sure. Fester was like the, the, the... And Lurch. And Lurch, yes, Lurch. Which, anybody catch Lurch? Uh, I believe, and I'm going to double check this before I say anything, but that is absolutely the same guy. Yes, okay. That is the same guy who is in Men in Black, who goes and meets uh, What's-His-Name at the diner yeah. to get, you know, the galaxies on Orion's belt. The big tall dude. Is he the bodyguard or the actual guy? He's the bodyguard. Uh, the bodyguard who's going to get... Yeah, yep. And then he's also in Twin Peaks as the giant, if you've ever seen that series. Huh, I had no idea. Yeah, I know I'd seen his face around a few times, so I had to look him up. 
And one that I recognize now that I'm looking up myself, he's in Ewoks, but I'm just kidding, I've never seen that movie. Don't uh, you dare. The Doctor Sleep. He's in Doctor Sleep. Oh, crap, he is in Doctor Sleep. I love that movie. Yes, he is. Yeah, it's a really good movie, and uh, I... Now that I reckon, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He was really good in that role, too. I was just about to look him up to make sure he's still around. And, and yeah, I, I forgot he was in Doctor Sleep. I freaking love that movie. He's one of the first ones that goes, isn't he? Like, they all gather around him as, as he's uh, running out of life force yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Oh, that's a good movie. Anyways, I have a lot of praise for the house design. I mean, the design of the house is phenomenal. Yep. Everything, every single set is just oozing personality. And it feels so bizarre on the inside. Like, when things are running around the house, and he's just making left and right turns, like, how is this house even set up? Mm-hmm. It just... <laughs> everything feels chaotic in that house. It does. Like, how does he know where he's going? And he's always, he's always right where he needs to be. Right. When I just don't understand. It's like, he's there to catch Gomez's sword in one take. And then he's down in the kitchen talking to him or pointing out ingredients for something in, in a meal for the next scene. It's just uh, like, he's pointing out the, he's pointing out the finger trap. That's what it was. The finger trap. Yeah. It's just like, he's, he's in between rooms and floors of the house so quickly. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome watching him. Well, there's that whole thing. That thing is a specter and he's just very corporeal. Oh, is, is that uh it was almost distracting trying to figure out how they filmed thing it was it was like did they have somebody on a cart pushing yes. around or something there's like a, that? there's an extra mm-hmm. in adam's channel values where they break down how they film thing oh god now i gotta find yeah, it there's a lot of scenes where you can see things i didn't watch family values because i didn't want to get the two confused yeah and there was a lot of scenes like the uh the scene where things trying to get gomez in the, in the hotel to, to go rescue morticia at first it looks great because you can see the flap you can see the uh the side of the wrist and it's like oh wow that that isn't somebody just sticking their hand through a, through a table but then they cut the angle around and it's clearly a hand in a table <laughs> it's just like a flip back and forth but <laughs> but yeah there's definitely some ghosting effects on the uh the, the wrist throughout the movie so it's uh it was pretty well done. You could definitely see it a few times, but it, it still holds up really well. I think for me, the only scene that I'm going to talk about later on, there's only one scene that really doesn't uh, still hold up. But again, this is amazing considering it was 91. I mean, this is two years before we got Jurassic Park and the change of uh, special effects forever. So Yeah, considering it's 1991, Thing looks yeah, great. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. He even has like reflections and they do a good job with matching his lighting to the environment. It's good job all around it's just the time doesn't allow for perfect hand <laughs> jobs oh no there's, there's, oh, there's no, no way to, to get around that <laughs> in, in this context coming off of that conversation and thing uh can i just say okay so i i have issues with the pacing the plot of this movie so i'll get to that later but in terms of my favorite scenes that whole scene with Gomez just letting himself go in the hotel. I <laughs> I forgot all about that. And it's honestly probably my favorite part of the movie. It's like seeing this character that you know how they're supposed to look and how they're supposed to act. Completely the opposite for just a brief period of time. He's got his, he's got his shirt undone. He's all fucking disheveled and, and, and gnarly covered in like Cheetos dust and crap. He's just eating chips and whatnot. <laughs> like it's just... I, I love how miserable he looks at the hotel. I, I love that whole hotel sequence with him. I think they nailed the vibe in this movie correctly. Mm-hmm. That you get the feelings of where they are um, and how everyone is feeling in each environment. From the Adams Family home 
to the school recital, to the uh, motel that they are stuck in temporarily, that the vibe is locked in and you can understand what that vibe is very clearly by how things are portrayed on the screen. I like that. I think they did a great job. Yeah, oh, yeah no, for, for sure. sure. Absolutely. And, and back Since to the... She brought up that play. Yeah, that play. <laughs> <laughs> that was a recessed memory I had completely forgotten about. When that scene started up and Fester threw the arm to Pugsley before they took off, immediately I had a grin on my face and I was thinking back. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot this was in this movie. <laughs> and I knew exactly what was coming. I was so on edge, just excited to see it. That's still hands down one of my favorite scenes. The cut to the audience just covered in <laughs> stage blood. Yep, the judge just trying desperately to wipe it off his face before hit, getting hit with another round. It's just... Oh, it's so good. As an adult, I love this scene. And like everyone's just like frozen in place. Mm -hmm. Whatever they were doing, they're just like frozen. And the Adams family stand up and applaud and applaud. I, I love the support that this family gives to each other. Yeah. And these sort of things. But that scene would have definitely scarred me as a child. Would have been a, at least one lost night's sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's so well done. And like when she gets her neck slit, like <laughs> yeah. it looks yeah. <laughs> it looks so good. I was not expecting that to happen. They pulled off Ninja Scroll bloodletting before Ninja Scroll. I was watching the scene intently thinking to myself, how close this came to rivaling Dead Alive's on-screen on blood count? Because I know that still holds the record for having the most fake blood in, in any scene, in any movie. So it's got to come close, but it still doesn't even reach those lofty heights, I think. <laughs> even more than Kill Bill? Yes. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a whole room with people... And he's got a he's got a lawnmower that he's just circling around, slicing them all up. You do the math. It's a, it's a oh, lot of right. It's a lot of gallons and gallons and gallons of fake blood. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's a pretty <laughs> it's a pretty mediocre movie, but it is uh, it, it's fun to watch. Oh oh man. Okay, I take it back. In 2013, the reboot, not remake, but reboot of The Evil Dead actually broke the record finally. And I think about it now, and it's like, yep, they had that whole scene at the end where it's literally raining blood. And I forgot about that. I haven't seen that reboot yet. It's very good. It's still in-universe. It's one of those ones that's in-universe, has ties to the original. It makes you feel all warm and gooey because it actually is part of the originals. It's not a, you know, ham-fisted, shoehorned reboot or remake mm -hmm. just to try to keep the life alive, I guess. They had big plans for it, but then, of course, uh, Ash vs. the Evil Dead kicked off. But then after that show got canceled, people are still hoping that it kind of comes back in some way. Can't Bill Slutty do it if he can get people to pay. Yeah. Back to this movie, I feel it's nearly timeless. That it makes a few small choices that lock it into the early 90s, but other than those few small moments... This is a timeless film. Yeah. I could probably agree with you on that. Yeah, no, I, I never once felt like it was 90s and never once felt like it was... I mean, you take that tombstone ad out of the, out of the picture and we're good. And you <laughs> but, uh, take out MC Hammer doing the end The awkward, The song. awkward music choices for this film I didn't, I didn't quite enjoy. We'll get into that later, but outside of the music and outside of like one or two ad placements, it really, yeah, it, it, it doesn't age tremendously. It really looks like it could be at any time. Even the vehicles, like it doesn't really put a lot of emphasis on vehicles. There's the scene where things running down the street, mm -hmm. but it's it's not like overbearing in, in what decade this takes place in or, or what time frame. So good choices all around. Right, on the same note, yeah, it's like not only do they not put things in it that kind of age the movie, but like even the, we were talking about already, but the effects actually hold up really well. The vines going up the, uh, the lady when she's being sucked into the house looked really good. And, uh, you know, even the, and even the Viper 
uh, clarinet or saxophone, whatever it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I thought that looked really cool. I sat there uh, for a little while trying to figure out where the mechanism to get that uh, snake moving was, but they moved on, so I moved on as well. <laughs> I guess according to that scene too, I, I read on that that the mamushka scene was actually supposed to be longer and was longer, but according to uh, negative audience feedback, they decided to bring that down a little bit. <laughs> I'm glad they did because yeah. it was it was about the right length. Yeah, like it, it felt like it was about to outstay its welcome. Absolutely. And it'd be weird if that wasn't the real Fester and he got through the entire Mamushka scene without having some latent uh, n- knowledge of that thing. The tradition of the dance. Yeah. Well, with that, what are some of the things that don't work so well for you in this pacing. film? Pacing. My God, the pacing. What's wrong with the pacing? I'm going to side with Ken on this one. I'm not sure where you're going on the on the pacing of this film. It feels like it goes along at a, a good clip. It slows a bit after Miss Bad Doctor Lady steals the house from them. It does, it does. There's, For me, it's the pacing and it's the plot in general there's just a lot that goes against the flow of this movie in my opinion i i love the characters i absolutely love the cinematography the set design everything about it i don't like the initial core plot and i also just don't like the way that the movie feels pace wise it it, it slogs so much it 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 keeps jumping from thing to thing It, it never really seems to have a straight narrative it just keeps bouncing from thing to thing to thing to thing and then around the middle point is for me it started to drag i thought i was making decent headway through the film and I paused to only realize that it's almost a two-hour film. <laughs> and I, I've still got like an hour hour plus left. I'm like, holy crap, are you kidding me? There's scenes that work. There's scenes for me that didn't work. But overall, I just kind of felt like there were parts of the film that felt pretty hacked or pretty chopped. It's like when they went to go try to find uh, Wednesday when she went missing. It's like that was a whole other thing they had to throw on. It's like when they got to the point where they were kicked out of the house. It's a whole other thing thrown on. It, it For me, that point of the movie felt like uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight where you've already had two hours, roughly, of this amazing movie, you finally hit this climax, and you got the Joker hanging off the building, but no, there's still like another 30 minutes to 45 minutes of the movie left. You gotta finish the Two-Face line. I I know, I know, and it it kind of felt that way with this one. It's just like, it kept getting to the points where you think, logically, it would start to wind up, and it didn't. It just kept going at a crazy pace where they just had to keep shoehorning more in, and I guess, according to what I read, uh, the problem with that is, obviously, like I said, multiple people got sick during filming, including Barry's wife, so they had kind of a weird schedule with that. They had multiple reshoots, multiple rewrites, all kinds of stuff going on with this movie, so it was, I guess, a pretty fabled pretty pretty well-known uh development issue on on this film it's just uh I, i don't know what it is specifically for me the movie just seems to absolutely drag and by the time it ended i could not believe how much time it had passed i liked the stuff i was watching it it was cool it was fun but it was just it it felt like it was packaged up in this in this terribly slow moving vehicle that i i I couldn't ever really kind of engage with and now that you say that i kind of i I understand where you're coming from it feels like those movies that are feel like sketches versus yes a cohesive plot it's like they have this plot of fester to tie in together the various ways that morticia and gomez are gonna bone and (laughs) the various way the kids are going to uh torture each other Uh uh-huh uh-huh and and that's really what it comes down to i fully feel like this movie has amazing scenes it's just the way they're cobbled together is is for me it's it's a little jarring i i don't know how to pinpoint it it's just it doesn't seem to really flow well between each scene but for me i watched this movie twice this week and i didn't realize that it was two hours it's only 99 minutes it's only an hour and a half yeah it's it's like when i paused it it said one 
hour and 36 or something like that. It's it's closing the gap on, into the two hours is what I was saying. It's close That's to two true. hours. It's closer to two hours with the extra six minutes. And I know what you're saying <laughs> when they leave the house to find uh, Wednesday. At that point, I'm like, oh, this is a contrived moment to get all of them out of the house. Cool. It doesn't feel natural within the context of the film. And the ending feels very tacked on with them getting kicked out of the house. But I think the the series of vignettes before that work pretty well off of each other and don't cause a jarring effect. It's that last few, we'll call them scenes or vignettes that just feel more jarring because they're tidying up the story and getting to the point and it's it's not exactly flowing in the same fashion. Way to put it in words, Joe. That's exactly how I f- was feeling. I guess I just didn't notice. I was having too much of a good time. Oh, I was having a great time. There you like, go. Like, That's all that yeah. matters. When it got to that, that Wednesday Adam scene, just felt weird to me it was it was a weird spot but maybe it was just because it came off the madness of mamushka and uh like cousin it wednesday and else. knew wednesday <laughs> ran away but all of a sudden it's like oh she didn't actually go to try to find somebody to be like ah i caught some them. i caught them like it was weird that she went to go sleep in a morgue but yeah, then again but it's wednesday <laughs> it's wednesday it's a weird family. But a very wholesome family. <laughs> Oddly so. Let's consider the fact that this was uh, a series. When did it originally launch? Was that the 60s? It, it was the 60s. And the, com- the animated series was the early 80s. So the black and white, the original concept is that there is a healthy, well-adjusted family unit that loves each other and gets along and no one hates anyone in the family no one has any ill intent but it doesn't fall into that nuclear family however you say that word and it's not that conservative viewpoint of what family needs to absolutely be in america to be a good family it's it's designed to turn that whole aesthetic of the good uh, wholesome american family on its head and say no these are good wholesome american families too and i i think it still works no, absolutely that's what the 2000 reboots are lacking no, this movie is what uh 20 years old and it still works yeah no absolutely you got things like leave it to beaver and crap like that like it, it definitely absolutely turns that whole thing on its head like you're saying it's just it, it's a completely different way to look at it and in a lot of ways this family is closer and has a better bond than some of those perfectly portrayed families of the 50s and 60s so yeah absolutely oh there were two different cartoons there were two there was a 1973 cartoon and then uh 1992 which is the one i would watch 92 mm. 93 they made two seasons of that one interesting sorry on the uh, the things that i didn't like as much the 90s creep is what really irks me when i watch this movie and the, yeah the t- tombstone ad sticks out but <laughs> it's not bad nah, it's that's not, not bad, the no. biggest culprit I was, just, I was really stretching when i said that because that's one of the only things i could think of it's not like they had like pepsi cans it's that and stuff. early 90s hip-hop music that they sprinkle yeah. in here and there and it's like yep. talk about a jarring audio addition to the film where it's just like if you wouldn't have done that is it like when cousin it shows up in his car and it's like playing some music as well too yeah something? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh that's definitely gonna age your film. Like I wanna like, oh yeah, hey, fun, that that's fun. But like if a if a person who's maybe twelve these days goes to watch this movie, they're like, Oh, that's a weird choice of music. Why wouldn't they put Old Town Road in there? <laughs> I don't know what kids listen to these days. That would also be a bad choice in my opinion. You know, there's movies where you know the soundtrack 
is specifically meant to make you feel like you're in that time period or even if it wasn't intentional it's you know going into the movie that this movie is from this age and that's you're okay with that whereas this movie it's like joe was saying there's there's no real staples that are setting it out to be as part of a specific decade but then you got that music in there and it's just it really takes everything out of it it's like i sit down to watch die hard and i know i'm going in for some 80s cheese joy and i know that's going to be you know awesome songs blaring from tm from dmc and things like that throughout the movie and it's just it's the 80s it's it's it, i know what i'm going into but with the adams family if you if you sat someone down who had never seen this movie before and had no idea when it was made i, I feel like everything would work flawlessly until it got to those couple of snippets where there's just random hip-hop songs it's just an interesting choice I, I don't understand it it's yet another thing that people can be like yeah when it comes on when you're trying to get people pumped up for a movie at the time like you i have a feeling that a lot of people who make these kind of movies don't feel like they're gonna they're making movies for ever they're making movies for a certain period of time that's a good point I, I can agree with you there. I don't think when they were making this movie, they thought of it being a longevity thing. Yeah, no, for sure. That's just us looking back with our uh, nice tinted rose-colored glasses and, and trying to get mad yeah, at people yeah. who are 30 years in the grave or 20 years in the grave for, for making something that doesn't fit our standards now. How dare they? Why isn't Hollywood making art like we want? Why is everything a it's sequel? It's just a machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hollywood doesn't make art. It's all copy and paste. They just want money. Well, duh. <laughs> Hollywood hasn't made art since Gone with the Wind. Oh, calm down there. I, I did watch something, re- or I did read something recently, and it was, uh, yeah, there has been a very massive drought of fresh original ideas that really don't have anything else to lend to. And I think one of the more notable ones that I remember seeing was Baby Driver. Baby Driver was like one of the few exceptions where it is it's a fantastic movie that stands on its own that doesn't have real any ties it's completely fresh completely original kind of turns the whole uh concept and the whole kind of uh cliche on its head it's definitely one of those that i know it's uh i don't know there's there's other movies that kind of fit that vein as well too but yeah it is pretty much a land of sequels and a land of franchises at this point original ideas don't make money and i did actually listen to a podcast about that i can't remember who was explaining it i think it might have been matt damon but it was something along the lines of because the movies with superheroes and everything else are doing so well and because those giant big tentpole franchises and and sequels are doing so well they basically only fund one of two things nowadays and it's either very low budget movies or extremely high budget movies they don't really fund anything mid-range anymore so things like tremors which was what like 70 million or something like that or that wouldn't be made today and it's not being made today they stopped making mid-range movies just because they want to have the biggest return possible because it is literally about money now they don't care about anything else they want a giant return and that's what they're basically focusing their sights on and if they can't get a giant return they want to take a very small chance on a movie and just you know here's here's a million here's two million go nuts and that's why we're in such a drought of having really good middling movies that might not be massive tent poles or might not be you know the best movie ever made but still they're entertaining there's been a drought of those films and that's why there's some out there not all of them are hollywood made yeah, that's yeah. why i think there's a big shift to foreign films oh, right sure. now like you have you're talking about squid game yeah. i mean <laughs> thank god of southeast asian <laughs> production is being recognized again yeah because i mean we just came off of um that other film oh i know uh, what you're talking about um uh, parasite, yeah, parasite. parasite. 
Parasite was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I love that film. That part of the world needs more attention in filmmaking and stuff like that. And maybe we'll start getting it as the United States film production just corrodes itself with superhero films and... Reboots. But like a movie like (laughs) Lamb. No one would make that Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. No one. And if you haven't seen the trailer for Lamb or The Lamb, some weird messed up stuff. It looks entertaining if you want original content go to the streaming services because that's where you're getting the squid games and the i'm not okay with this and the stranger things which i guess isn't original anymore but i mean you're getting more of the original ideas and they're coming out as like tv series but Mm -hmm. uh, like even bird box and like they're they're putting out at least one or two uh, movies and then just dropping them and trying to st- start with something new because they can because they have the release schedules that can work that way and so it's kind of nice that we have the streaming services trying to set themselves off trying to get you to join them because that's where you're getting your original content from otherwise we're just stuck with movies theaters that are either uh, reboots or trying to sell a product like the knockoff lego movie uh play something or another that came out a couple years ago playmobile playmobile <laughs> there was a playmobile movie yeah it i just, believe I, uh, oh man yeah it went i i don't think it did well or it may not have released yet it didn't do well no it was there was it was before oh god it was it 2019 i believe it was oh crap last movie i remember seeing in theaters before everything went down was uh not sonic like i thought it was um Onward. Well, I didn't see Onward in theaters. I watched that at home. I saw that on streaming services. I enjoyed it. That was a good movie. movie. I've seen The Roadrunner since the pandemic, but (laughs) there was only like two other people in the theater with me. Yeah, I really really wanted to see uh, a few things that have come out recently, like Venom, and I I know Ghostbusters is coming up, Dune as well. So there's there's some things that are inching up to try to get me back. Yeah, same. I tempt me out of my cage. Same here. And I know there's another film. I can't remember what it is. It wasn't Resident Evil, was it? Oh, no, but have you seen the trailer for that? That is so freaking good looking. It, for those who weren't aware, they, they remade Resident Evil to follow the video games. So the, this movie is oh. like shot for shot. The Spencer Mansion, you know, <laughs> uh, Star's team going in, taking a look for survivors and stuff like that. Alongside uh, Resident Evil 2 happening at the same time. So you have Leon and Claire and everything else going on, too. Are they just going to do an actual play of the video game in the theater? It feels that way, (laughs) and I'm really excited. Was it Antlers? Antlers, thank you. Antlers, 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 Antlers. Antlers looks phenomenal. It's not directed by Del Toro, but it is. Uh, he's a producer on it. Antlers looks phenomenal. I saw a brief teaser of that movie, and it just made me instantly want to forget everything and go watch it. It, it kind of lends a hand in what we were talking about, too, because unfortunately it feels like unless you're making a horror movie or unless you're making like a family drama or a biopic or something like that, just something underhand that's not a, a flagpole or, or a sequel of some sort, those are the movies that are made right now because it's, you know, $4 million. It's $5 million because it's just a horror movie. There you go, kid. Have fun. Knock us out. Right. And what you're getting with, like, so Adam's Family, even, yeah, that wasn't even a really original idea no and they they were afraid to make it from the 60s 70s 80s 90s like they kept on doing redoing adam's family they're still redoing adam's family because it does biopics you have freddie mercury to lean on you have elton john and yeah ford and ferrari i guess that was a good one to lean on yeah uh, that's what i hear i i finally sat down to watch it last year it's good but yeah i i know what you're saying specifically like like the ones that they're giving chances to have history to it yeah, 
And it's not like it's an original idea, like you're saying. It's just, it's still that whole notion of a reboot or, or a remake. Well, <laughs> we can do the reboots for Adam's Family real quick. They're soulless, they are money grabs, and there's no reason <laughs> to watch them. I will say that I respect the hell out of this movie because it definitely resonated with a lot of people, and you can tell. There are a lot of girls who, I don't know what it is about Wednesday, but they definitely, they identify with her. They have personality traits with her that are similar or something, but you see that in a lot of people. I don't really see a lot of people, you know, idolizing Pugsley or idolizing Gomez, but Wednesday, it seems like that's like a whole thing. Wednesday and Morticia. Wednesday and Morticia, for sure, yeah. Yep. It's because their opinions are listened mm-hmm. to, they have autonomous thought, and they're allowed to have yes. them. They have their own ideas that they want to do, and they're not stopped and told to be something else. They are who they are. Yes. And Pugsley doesn't have that issue. He is who he is, and that's men are allowed to have that, and boys are too. But girls and women are tend to be horseshoed into roles that may not be who they are in real life. Mm-hmm. These two women are excluded from that horseshoe. Oh, Morticia, hands down as well. Like the scene where Fester grabs the wrong handle and gets flushed outside, and where she goes to meet him. Like that scene was. I love that scene because it, you you could tell that she's kind of like the she's she's the pin in the family. She's it's just like she knows what's going on. She Absolutely. can see past the crap. Exactly, exactly. She met him exactly where she knew he would be. She said exactly the right words to get under his skin because she knew something was off. It, it was just a really great scene that really showed her character really well. Yeah, I could definitely see really good role models with... It's just such a... I, I love I, I love how different this feels because obviously just like the Adams Family themselves and just like the actual characters living in the town with the Adams Family, looking from the outside, it looks like such a weird family that you just expect to be completely bonkers insane, but they are such a damn well-rounded family. It's It's crazy. Every one of them. They're, they're actually people to look up to. They're so sane, they make the rest of society seem insane. Yes! Yes! Exactly. Well said. When everybody else is dysfunctional, what's more dysfunctional than be functional? So judging from where you were in your, uh, uh, how you viewed this movie before when you watched this to now, for me, like I said, it was around 20 years difference between watching it. Has your opinion shifted about this? Seeing film? as I don't remember, I I don't have good memories of this movie. I I enjoyed it. I don't think had it been twenty years, I probably still would have enjoyed it. Watching it again, like I I I had a hard time finding things to pick apart other than real little minute things that we already we discussed. I I'd say that this movie definitely holds up. Um, my I don't have an opinion as a child because I didn't watch it, but. As an adult, I, I certainly enjoyed it. And I don't think the hip-hop t- takes away from it at all. It just puts it in a different area of time, which is fine. There's plenty of movies that do that. Uh, so, the, yeah, I definitely think the movie holds up. Definitely worth a uh, watch, and I'll probably watch it again. It might become a Halloween movie for me. So, it was a holiday, Halloween movie for me as a child, and I can't remember how many years we watched it around spooky season, but it, it came up frequently. I don't know. I hadn't seen this movie in probably, oh, man, probably close to 20 years. And I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I, I didn't hate it. I don't think I, I won't go back to watch it again. It's just, it's, I feel like for me, I, I know we've been kind of, like, we've been skirting this line for, for a while now. And I've felt this fear that eventually we would hit a movie that for me would be propped up on the the the, the faulty uh, pegs of you know, nostalgia and it, it would come tumbling down. And 
I I feel like this is as close as it gets. Like having not seen this movie probably since I was oof, in grade school, maybe even actually. Um, <laughs> I I don't know what I was expecting going into it. I know this movie from years and years and years of saying, "Oh man, the Adams Family." Yeah, I gotta watch that one of these days. Or, oh yeah, it's definitely going to be one of my Halloween movies I'm watching this year. And I feel like this year was finally the year I got a big bowl of popcorn. I was all excited. I was like, I know I love this movie and I can't wait to watch it again. And I I, kind of left the movie kind of feeling a little deflated because it's not what I remember. And that's not saying it's not good. It's just I feel like there's layers to this. And I feel like I basically blew off the dust. (laughs) And I'm kind of seeing the inner workings below. And a little bit of that magic's gone now. And it makes me a little sad because I haven't felt that with any of the movies that we've watched so far. So I'll probably keep watching it. I, I like it. I like the characters. I love the cast. It's just the plot for me kind of drags and, and muddles around. But I, I think it's definitely going to be something I throw back in. I didn't care for it when I was younger because I was too cool for school. <laughs> but now uh, it just makes me chuckle. Um, it's entertaining to me. I would totally be down for being a father of a Wednesday Adams type character that would I'd be super proud of a little girl that's a maniac mm. that wants <laughs> that takes pleasure in like not for real <laughs> but for for fun I I just I like the vibe of the movie sure it isn't a perfect film but it's got a good vibe it's entertaining and i just need to shut it off before mc hammer kicks in on the credit sequence or my my wife will slowly and progressively get more angry as it goes on because it's an earworm (laughs) and she can't get rid of it joy i think you helped me find the words i was searching for it's um i need to be okay with every movie not being perfect Every movie not being the best movie ever made of that genre. I need to be okay with every movie not being prolific in some way. But I think the nostalgia was a layer encasing this movie that made it feel like it was like the definition of its genre. It was like the perfect movie of this style. So when I sat down to watch it after all these years of not seeing it, I was expecting perfection. Mm, you went in, you went in expecting and too much. Okay. While now, now I understand your yes, vitriol. Yes, exactly. Now I get exactly. it. Because I was, I was going into this thinking this is like top tier, grade A, and and I remember everything about this movie being perfect. And then actually noticing the faults, it's like you know coming back to a car that you've remembered fondly and seeing rust all over the place and seeing the things that you didn't expect or. You know, coming back to, you know, your hometown and seeing, you know, things that weren't as nice as you thought they were when you were growing up. It's it's, it's like that. It's it's a good movie, but I, I held up this lofty feeling of what it probably was, and I, I only have myself to blame for that. Damn nostalgia. I hate it. It happens to all of us. I just hate nostalgia. It's, it's bad, man. This is the first time that's happened in a long, long, long time. <laughs> I think Neverending Story was the uh, the only other time I felt this way. But upon rewatching it this last time with you guys, I liked it more than the time I watched it in my 20s. <laughs> Yeah, you'll get that. Yeah. I've yeah. had that. And I'm hoping that'll happen with this. Just wait till you get that with Jurassic Park or Ghostbusters. Oh, no. I don't know. I am in the triple digits of Jurassic Park, and I never get sick of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is probably somewhere in the the 30 to 40s range. I, I prefer watching the second because even though it's almost beat for beat the same exact pace of the first movie, which a lot of people gripe about, I, I like the underdog coming coming back story. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get sick yeah, of those but, two. <laughs> but also baby. Ugh. Yeah, usually when you add a... We had this conversation. When you add a baby to a movie, usually that's when things are sour. And that's why I'm surprised you all like values more. Because isn't the, isn't the new baby in Adam's Family Values? 
Because they hint that at I the end. I was just going to say, I'm looking at the, there is, there I'm is, looking at the cover is, thinking, I'm going to watch Values so. next, but I see a baby. <laughs> oh, yes, no. Yes, exactly. It's got a little there's mustache. Two, there's, I don't there's know how two I feel babies, about that. If I remember oh, correctly. God, it has a mustache? Are you kidding me? Yep, Gomez's mustache. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a little boss baby. Considering the first Adams Family movie, would you recommend other people to watch this one I today? Would. First one, I would absolutely. I'm going to assume Andy is a no. <laughs> I would say yes. I I liked it. I think it's still very important for people to watch this movie because it's got a lot going on for it, especially with the role breaking of tradition or traditional uh, female roles. Just there, there's a lot of good in this movie that still can be absorbed and if you're a fan of halloween the macabre dark you know tim burton it's it's a great movie absolutely great if, you, if you're looking for a perfectly paced movie no i would still recommend it though because it's like i said it's a halloween staple you have to see it at least well that was us strapping our siblings to an electric chair and electrocuting them to the movie adam's family if you would like, comment, subscribe, all those crazy fun things to do because then, you know, it gives feedback to us. We, we'd enjoy some feedback. Yeah. I don't care. If you say you suck shit, <laughs> I don't care. Then I'd be like, sweet, someone watched. Can, or, wait. Can we ask for input? Someone listen. Johnny Five? I want input. Input. I mean, we did, we did get a gift from the, the, the Tremor Society. Oh, that's right. Yeah, thanks, Yeah, Tremors. thanks for the shout out. Woo! So anyways, also like share this shit with uh, your friends and family that also likes 80s and 90s movies because, come on, we're all just one big happy movie family. Let's all just get along. Let's all just sit around and talk about movies. Yeah, put, put on your grandpa's headphones while he's sleeping. <laughs> hey grandpa, how do you like these movies? Next stop, we'll be watching and talking about The Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm so excited. So come back in two weeks when we rewind again. Johnny Depp gets blundered. Johnny Depp don't. Oh, gets spoilers. Blundered. Spoilers. It's so good. <laughs>